Welcome to the Consciously Inspired Minds podcast, where we ditch the default and live life by design. I'm your host, Brandi White, personal growth enthusiast, entrepreneur, and lifestyle coach. I host conversations with creators, entrepreneurs, healers, and educators committed to living a life of truth, intention, and connection. Understanding how to evoke their higher nature, our guests take us on a journey of what it means to embody a life of conscious inspiration, joy, impact, and service. Get ready to be inspired. All right, everybody, welcome to Consciously Inspired Minds. We're so excited for you to be here. I have an amazing guest on today, Vicki Reeves. Hello. Vicki, how are you? So good to see you. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here with you, someone that is totally inspiring, and I love the energy you're putting into the world, Brandy. Oh, thank you so much. Again, I know we spoke a little bit before the interview today, and just my excitement to have you on and for folks to get to know you a little bit better and the impact that you're making in the world. And I want to let all the listeners know that it's a really exciting episode today because this is our first episode for Consciously Inspired Minds. And it's really a special moment for me. Vicki is such a big part of this moment, which is why I asked her to be on this first episode. Vicki is also a podcast host of Shine Freely, and I would highly, highly recommend everyone to go out and have a listen, subscribe. It's beautiful, amazing, and really gives you the opportunity to step into your authenticity and what that means for you. When I listened to Vicky's podcast, I was so incredibly inspired by it. And I had thought about a couple of years starting a podcast myself. Obviously, the universe did not believe it was the right time for me, or I didn't believe it was the right time for me as, as well. But after I listened to Vicky's podcast, it gave me the inspiration, the confidence, the knowing that this is what I wanted to do as well. <laughs> and in that moment, I decided I'm going to move forward and I'm going to do this. I reached out to Vicky and just kind of to back up a little bit, Vicky and I met through the Institute for Professional Excellence mm-hmm. in Coaching. So we are both coaches. So more about that maybe in, in a bit. So I met Vicky through IPAC. So that's how I, you know, got to know her a little bit and then her podcast. So fast forward, listening to her podcast, being inspired, I reached out to Vicky saying, hey, I have no idea how to start this podcast. What do I do? And she was just so generous with her time and providing me all of the resources that I needed to get things kicked off. And here we are. Here we are. And I'm, I'm excited for it. So with that, I just want to, again, take a moment to celebrate you, Vicki, and all of the things that you're doing and the impact you're making in the world. With that, I'll turn it over to you to tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, yeah, so our listeners can get to know you a little bit today. Oh, thank you so much, Brandy. Those were really kind, touching words, and I love that you shared them right before I speak to what I do, because it's actually like, this is what my passion is. My passion is 
really showing people that whatever feels good to them, whatever feels life-giving and fulfilling for them, there's a 100% chance that they have everything they need within themselves to make that come to life. And so I just love offering people the opportunity to see that, to see that all of the things that they want to do in life, that they want to give to the world, that they want to manifest for themselves, they're all possible. And I love that you are the type of person, Brandy, that just sees what's possible and goes for it. And particularly what you said earlier, that it felt good in your body. It's like, this has been probably one of my biggest learning journeys the last year. And I'm very passionate about helping people discover how much insight and wisdom is just sitting there in their body, waiting to tell them really meaningful, important things about their life. Mm. And to just tune into like, what thoughts when I have them make my body feel good is like a really powerful habit to develop. And you've already developed it. It's something you do naturally. You just notice like what makes your body feel good. So mm. that that's just a nice example of what I'm really passionate about. That took a lot of work, by the way. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. It does. Yeah. Because it's a habit. Habits take work. Yeah. It takes work getting here, everybody, just to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well said. And I think, you know, and then people like you and I want to help other people through that process. And we want to be there to support them. And it's like, what else? It's the most fun. It's the most adventurous. It's the most like, it feels good in our bodies. And why not? So uh, I guess that's my introduction, Brandy. <laughs> mm, I love that so much. I love that so much. I think that's beautiful. And so just to kind of just to move on from staying in, into that intro and, and just giving folks a little bit more information about who you are and what you do. I just wanted to share that Vicki is an amazing coach and she's had, we'll get a little bit more into her background here in a moment, but Vicki is a leadership coach and podcast host of, again, once once again, as I mentioned, Shine Freely. She's a spiritual friend, as she likes to say. And through her work as a coach, she supports people with curiosity and presence to discover their own insight. Ah, oh, that just feels amazing. And again, you can learn more about Vicki at shinefreely.com mm. as well. So, Vicki, I'm curious, what does living a consciously inspired life mean to you? Hmm. I love this phrase, consciously inspired. For me, what it means is, like this idea of consciously is, is basically like being aware, paying attention mm. to, honestly, the shortcut is that I've learned recently is to paying attention to what feels good in your body and paying attention to... You know, once you take the time to just kind of pause and recognize that every choice you're making in your life, every thought that you're having throughout your day, every thing that you decide to spend your time on, you're creating your life when you do that. It's like painting a picture and every single brushstroke is making up your life. And to just notice that everything we're doing, we're building our lives mm -hmm. and we have total freedom to choose how we build those lives. And we might have a habit of feeling like we're being forced to do it a certain way or you know, society puts pressure on us to do it away or our spouse or our boss or our whoever. And I understand, I've had all those thoughts myself. I, I understand those experiences emotionally and they're definitely relevant, but they're not accurate. 
like the truth is that we have the chance every single day mm. to design whatever kind of life we want to design. And it's totally okay if we have doubts and blocks and other dynamics going on inside that are getting in the way. It's not a problem. It's only a problem if you ignore it and you try to pretend like those blocks aren't there or those you know, emotional, maybe you could even call them distractions to, to, to just ignore them and try to keep going after your goal and accomplishing it. And that's the way I lived my life for a long time was I thought that if I just ignored my emotions, um, that I would be more effective and successful and whatever. And that actually led me down the path to burnout, which I uh, learned a lot about directly from my experience. And and I think the biggest takeaway that I learned or that I'm trying to hold close to my heart every day is just that I have the opportunity today to build the kind of life I want to build. And what is that life? And what do I want to do to build it? That's amazing. And when you said that you were ignoring those emotions, did you know that you were ignoring those emotions that led you to the burnout? Because, and I asked that question because so many folks are getting to that point in their personal lives and their careers uh, of burnout. And it's like, all of a sudden you're asking yourself, how did I even get here? What happened? Yeah. How did I lose the connection to self? Oh, I love the way you just said that. I mean, lose the connection to self. So that's a, that's a really powerful phrase. And it helps me put my finger on what happened with me is I basically spent my whole life with this idea that was a little bit confused or a lot confused, <laughs> which is that like the self is bad. The self is ego. The self is egotistical. It's, it, you know, if I pay attention to the self, then I'm being self-centered. And those were all the things that I was trying not to do. And I saw emotions as this almost like trick that the self tries to play on you. Uh, and since it's a trick and they can't be trusted, then we should just ignore them and pretend like they're not there mm. and just do what needs to get done and be wise and compassionate about it. And I understand why I had that like misinterpretation and I don't hold it against myself. Like I, it's a normal process for someone to go through, but what I learned through it is that these emotions are extremely valuable. They're giving us a ton of insight into what are the kinds of thoughts, behaviors, and actions that make our body feel good, that make us feel like we're living a life of integrity where the choices we make are really aligned with our values and our principles and our life experience, uh, and that we're really honoring ourselves and protecting ourselves just as much as we want to honor and protect others. And, you know, I, don't, I try not to speak for others because I don't know what others experience, but in my case, I have to fully embrace my emotions and be open to the wisdom that is within them if I want to live a consciously inspired life. Mm. And this attempt to like ignore them or pretend they're not there is not only like futile, but it's a waste of energy and potential because there's so much there to be discovered. So I, I finally learned that I basically I had been burying gold. I love that. And now I'm like unearthing all the gold and I'm like, look at all this yes, treasure of insider. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm curious, when you started to fully embrace those emotions, was there a particular experience or moment in time 
that you asked yourself, okay, wow, I'm, I'm so disconnected here. That then took you on this amazing journey to get where you are today. Mm. Yeah. And I, just for some more context, I'll share that like when I was a teenager in high school and college, I had pretty um, strong, I guess, like emotional instability. And I was on mm. a few different like psychiatric medications for stabilizing my mood and dealing with depression, anxiety. And the first thing I did as I started meditating when I was 21, and that was able to help me understand that I didn't need to be afraid of my emotions because they couldn't actually harm me. And that allowed me to calm down a lot. Um, but somewhere along the way in that meditation practice, I misunderstood the value of emotions actually. And so I started like ignoring them, which I think was a reaction to my former like emotional instability as like, oh, these, these emotions are throwing me way off and making it difficult for me to function in life. So I'll just kind of put them aside and just focus on meditating and learning how to train my mind, which I did for, you know, 17 years or whatever. And it, it was very uh, effective. But near the last the last few years of that period, uh, I started to burn out. And I used to work very hard, both in my professional life and in my volunteer life and in my family life and everything. And I just ignored all of my own needs. And I ignored all of my own yeah, just like what gives me life. Mm. Because I felt like it was wrong for me to focus on what gives me life and I should be focused on what gives other people life. And I can believe that for the rest of my life, but the truth is that it doesn't work for me. I, I'm now in this phase of life where I have to learn how to care about myself, how to identify what my needs are, how to meet them with kindness toward myself instead of feeling like it's a chore and something I have to do that I don't really want to do, but to really develop this sense of like compassion that I, you know, I want other people to see how beautiful and incredible they are. And I really don't think there's any way I can do that effectively if I'm not able to see how beautiful and incredible my own self is. Mm -hmm. And I've been avoiding that for most of my life because I was so afraid that if I were to acknowledge how beautiful and incredible I am as a human, that I would become egotistical and arrogant and self-centered and all those things. And it's been a huge obstacle for me. And so the, the really the last um, year of this journey or, or more has been about learning how to rest in this experience of love for myself. Mm. And what I've noticed in that learning process is that whenever I'm able to rest in that experience of love for myself, it's just like effortlessly expands to the people around me. And it, it feels so like easy to love them. I feel like a, I feel like rich with love and I can just give it out as much as I want. But if I don't take the time to like first share some of that love with myself, then I'm like poor. I'm poor in love and I don't have any to give out. In this experience of burnout, like my health started to fade, my relationships started to fall apart, my job became very stressful. I started to feel like I wasn't being a good parent to my daughter, like everything just started to crumble. And then it's like, you don't have a choice anymore about whether or not to pay attention to it. It's like, you got some shit to figure out here. That's right. And uh, it just, it sounds like it, it just hit so loudly, right? Kind of 
you are you are faced now with um, a complete knowing that you weren't in alignment with your authentic self. Yeah. And yeah. isn't it interesting how we are given these lessons? Yes. And really, I see them as miracles. Yes. <laughs> because I had a, a similar experience. It was a similar experience. I'm getting chills just thinking about it because I also hit... This was um, early 2019, and I had hit complete burnout. Um, Very similar. Um, I was a workaholic. I had no balance or harmony in my life. I was constantly chasing, chasing Mm. the next thing, chasing the next promotion, chasing, trying to build this life that I thought I wanted. And... Got to a point, again, my marriage was suffering, my relationships, uh, friendships, all were suffering. I was also questioning, you know, how I was a mother to my two daughters. Um, And I had a day of reckoning, if you will. Mm. And it led me on this spiritual journey. And it's just been incredible. Mm. And um, I have never felt so connected, so much uh, closer to my higher self Mm. and as confident to take the risks and to live a consciously inspired life as I do now. Not to say that there isn't still a lot of work to do, right? But I'm excited about the work, you know? I love it. I'm so curious, like what have been the things that have been really uh, like kind of pivotal for you that really have been supporting you on that path? Yeah. Well, in the beginning, um, felt as though I was going through this, uh, awakening and there were some moments of grace where I just felt so incredibly supported by something. (laughs) I didn't know what that was, you know, and I had never been connected, uh, religiously, um, in my childhood. I'd never, you know, we were that Catholic family who, you know, the Christmas and Easter family, right. Going, going to mass on Christmas and Easter, but I had never really practiced anything or really leaned into spirituality. I had always had a deep curiosity for personal development. Once I look back into my youth. So as I kind of stepped onto this path sort of miraculously as well, because I can't take full credit for that, you know, but I was listening and I listened and I trusted (laughs) and I surrendered, Vicky. I surrendered Mm. because I was suffering so much. I felt like there was nothing left and it felt as though there is no other choice than to just surrender. Yeah. And, you know, it's really a, a multitude of things. I, it's, it's like, as soon as I surrendered and started trusting, that's when mentors were coming into my life. Dr. Wayne Dyer is definitely a huge, huge, huge impact in my life. Oh. Um, Gabrielle Bernstein. And so those were the two that sort of got me started on this path. And now it's just been this obsession, right? This obsession around, a healthy obsession, but around um, pers- you know, personal growth and expansion, what that means. And, <laughs> and 
Now what has brought me here today around how can I share with other people not only what it means to live a consciously inspired life, but the how. How do we get to the point of living a consciously inspired life and living a life by design and not by default? Yeah. Right? Nice. Because in those moments, you can ask yourself, wow, how did I get here? This isn't even what I'm passionate about. I don't feel connected to this. And I'm just trying to get through my day doing the best I can. Right? And I think it's a beautiful reminder for our listeners that that is okay. There's nothing wrong, right? There's nothing broken. There's nothing that needs to be fixed about you. Yeah. It's just us being humans. Beautifully said. And giving ourselves an opportunity to be compassionate towards ourselves, which is a lot about what you talk about. Being curious, Vicki, is a lot about what your impact is about as well, right? We can't be in judgment of ourselves and curious at the same time, is what I believe. Totally. And so my question to you is, tell me a little bit about your impact for folks to live in this state of curiosity and self-love and maybe some steps that folks could start taking if they are in this phase of burnout and they're aware Mm. of, okay, I know I'm not in a great place, but I don't know what to do. What would you say to that person? Sure. Well, I'd first like to um, just really emphasize your comment around it's okay to be burnt out and there's no need to judge yourself. And I'll, I'll just share kind of my personal experience with that. I was, uh, let's, I think this was about two years ago. Maybe yeah. Three now. It's hard. <laughs> I lose track of the years, but I, my, like my body was starting to feel, actually I woke up one day four in the morning, you know, I had worked till two in the morning because I had to work at night because of the childcare issues presented by COVID and being a single mom. And so then I got up at four after like not sleeping and the, I, this, like my foot came out of the bed and I immediately got vertigo and I was like, oh wow, I'm going to fall over. And I was, I've never gotten vertigo before. It's not like a thing that I have. So I was like, hmm, I think my body is trying to tell me something. (laughs) And that day, I, I can't really describe this very well, but I literally felt like my body is about to shut down. Like, I don't, I feel like I'm going to end up in the hospital today. I don't know why. I just feel like one of my organs is going to stop or something. Like, there's no gas left in this tank to keep this body going at all. And I was, I was kind of worried about it. I was like, I don't really know what to do. Do I just, like, go to the emergency room and tell them I feel like I'm about to die? You know, like, I don't, I don't know exactly what the medical need is here. I just feel like this body is about to stop. And fortunately... I was living at a retreat center at the time, and by coincidence or not, my good friend who is a medical doctor, an emergency room doctor actually, was coming over that day for a retreat. I was like, oh, great. I'll just ask her, you know, what I should do. And I was explaining to her what I had going on, um, you know, 
first of all, just making sure, like, do I need to go to the emergency room right now? Like, okay, probably not. And she talked to me for a little while about what was going on. And I kept saying, like, you know, I just heard that if if you burn out, like it takes 18 to 24 months to recover. And so I can't burn out because I don't have 18 to 24 months to spend recovering. And like, what am I going to do? I can't burn out. I can't burn out. And I was freaking out about it. And uh, my friend, she's so wise and so straightforward. She just looked at me and she said, Vicky, you're not about Mm. to burn out. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I already am burnt out. And honestly, it was like the biggest weight off my shoulders. I was like, okay, I can just accept it now. Like, I just, I don't have to fight it. Like, I am burnt out. And I do not have to convince myself or anyone else that I'm not. And that, like, that was step one. Just being like, Yes, I'm burnt out and I totally accept it. And I accept myself. I'm not going to hate on myself. I'm not going to tell myself I should do something differently. It was just like this moment of just acceptance. And I, ha- to be honest, I've found that that relief appears in my life every time I kind of hit bottom. It's like, oh, what a relief. Like I can't go any further down. <laughs> um, so that's the first tip I have for people is just like, To not be afraid to acknowledge it because it's totally fine and it's totally human. And there are ways to like take the next step after that moment. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing that I did from there was just working with a coach. I started to notice how much lack of self-compassion I had. And so then I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that I didn't have compassion for myself. So now... I'm really curious what it would be like to have the experience of being human while having compassion for myself. And I honestly just became curious about it. I was like, okay, well, how do I develop compassion for myself? And it's a habit. And like, how do you build a habit? You just start doing it. (laughs) So I was like, okay, what what would be something that I could do, you know, physically? I could offer myself a nice bath with some bath salts and essential oils because I really like that stuff. I could make myself a really nice cup of tea. And it wasn't like, oh, I need to eat right to take care of my body or I need to exercise to, or I need to get good sleep. It was like, no, I wanna give myself a really nice cup of tea Mm. right now. Like I'm gonna make like the nicest cup of tea I could ever imagine. I'm gonna pick my favorite mug, favorite tea, just the right amount of honey, like what, just the way I like it. And I'm just gonna give it to myself with a lot of love. And I'm gonna sit outside on my porch and just, drink this tea and like let it give love to my body and myself and i just started making a habit of doing one small thing like that every day yes it's that simple moment of bliss right it doesn't take a lot of time it's just yeah oh and gratitude and gratitude and how do i nurture my soul in this moment you know and it may not be that we can yes go on a trip for a week to get away. But what can we do in the present moment that brings us joy? And just make like that moment. And Right. Is it getting up early? Actually, uh, one of the, whenever I was kind of not in the habit of doing nice things for myself, the question that I would ask to figure out how to do this was like, well, if 
if one of my dearest friends or family members was feeling just really down and burnt out and depressed and discouraged and hopeless and all these things, tired, exhausted, afraid, and they came over and they were just like, I'm just all of these things, like, and I just need some love. Like, what would I do for them? I'd open the blinds and turn some music on. So it like felt nice, you know, I'd, I'd light a candle or I'd whatever. And so I just, I love that. in order to help me start thinking of how to do nice things for myself, I just started thinking like, well, what would I like really get joy out of doing for someone else if they were not feeling well, you know? And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna try doing that for myself. <laughs> mm, that's a beautiful approach. I'm gonna have to adopt that thinking. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> So I'd love to go back in time a little bit, if you don't mind. For 10 years, you had said that you lived at this meditation center in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your experience there. Mm -hmm. And then also your journey in studying philosophy, Buddhism, (laughs) and how that has also impacted your life today. Great. So... When I met Buddhism, it's a long story. So feel free to like interrupt or tell me which parts are most interesting. But I grew up Christian. My mom was a pastor. I was ordained as an elder at age 16 in the Presbyterian church. And I really loved church. My mom is an incredible human being who just always wanted to teach and talk about love and how do we all love each other more. And uh, we did a lot of work with homeless people and building houses and stuff like that. I had a great time. But when I got to be in my later teenage years, young adult years, as I mentioned before, I was having all this emotional instability. And I was really craving a method that I could work with in a very specific way to get the results that I wanted, Um, which was at the time, it was basically like, I want to be emotionally stable so that I can benefit others more. And I was introduced, I was a little bit frustrated in the church, just like with, not with anyone, but just with myself, I guess, because I didn't feel like I had this method that I could use that I like knew the instructions to follow, you know, to get the experience that I was going for. And uh, my dear friend Lloyd introduced me to Buddhism and Buddhist teachings at a time when I was very interested in like metaphysics and philosophy. And uh, I've always been like a spiritual explorer. And at the time, a teacher came to our university and he said, basically, like, here's a step-by-step method for transforming disturbing emotions so that you can benefit others. And I was like, ah, that is exactly what I've been looking for. (laughs) So I I dove straight into the deep end, which is kind of what I tend to do. And I started meditating. I met my Buddhist teacher uh, and then just basically dedicated my full-time life, really, um, to practicing Buddhism and um, also just like on a practical level, uh, helping the Buddhist organization like grow and thrive and uh, build things and publish books and all that kind of stuff. And when I first met Buddhism, I I remember this only because I I was able to write my senior thesis paper in college on the impact of meditation, really on fear. I was looking at particularly cancer patients Mm. and the impacts that mindfulness meditation had on their recovery. And basically what I was fascinated by was just this idea that when you're no longer afraid of your thoughts, because you realize that, you know, they're not 
bullets. They, they they can't actually hurt you in any way when you when you realize that your mind is you know indestructible. Then it's like okay, these thought I don't need to be afraid of my thoughts anymore, no matter how ugly or unpleasant or whatever they are. Like they're gonna come and they're gonna go, and they're not actually going to harm me in any lasting way. And with that very simple insight, I was able, like, I never had a panic attack again after that. Wow. Um, and I did before. But it was like, once I understood that, it was like, well, when these scary thoughts arise, I don't need to panic and try to run away from them because, like, now I have a little bit more courage to just sit with them because I'm not afraid of them anymore. And just real quick, while I'm here, I'll just fast forward to say now the work that I do with people has everything to do with just sitting with people in their most painful experiences because this habit of trying to run away from those painful experiences is the habit that's causing a lot of our problems in life and when we learn how to not run away from them and just sit with them it's like sure then we have freedom to do whatever we want and to choose how we want to spend our day so that was kind of my how i got hooked on meditation and ended up i was part of a group in Austin, Texas, and had this really strong desire to live in a retreat center that was in more of a remote setting, surrounded by nature, uh, quiet, and really um, focus on meditating and and really creating the conditions for meditation retreats. So I then moved up to Wisconsin because our organization that I was part of down in Texas was finding some land in Wisconsin to start a retreat center. And the day I set foot on the land, I remember the moment my foot hit the grass and there was, there's been like maybe three times in my life where I actually heard a voice in my head. You know, I don't, whatever, we can talk mm -hmm. about that if you want, but it's not really something I seek out, let's say, but this voice in my head was just like, you're home. No, let's talk about that if you don't mind. What was, <laughs> what was the voice? What did it say to you? Let's go there. Said, let's do it. Yeah, sure. This is what I love. It just said, it said, this is your home. It was like so clear uh, when, yeah, when I stepped yeah. foot on the land that like, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm leaning in because I'm, I'm just <laughs> so inspired right now to say that for all the listeners, this is what we listen to, right? This is where the trust comes in. This is where we listen to that inner voice, that higher self, that intuition, that we so often just want to dismiss because we're not trusting in it. Um, we're so used to all of the external things that we're relying on um, and to give us answers when really, you know, everything lies within ourselves. And so yes. getting to that point of trusting yourself, and this is, this is such... Um, I, I can't emphasize this enough is us understanding the importance of seeking our own counsel mm. and, and not relying on external things, people opinion to get us where we need to go. But it's really all about taking that moment, right? Slowing down, listening, giving ourselves time and space, right? Which is so important. Um, Absolutely. So I'll pause there. I'll, I'll yes, please. <laughs> well, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that uh, 
for me in particular, I found, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And so I moved into this retreat center. I was very, I had a time of my life. I mean, so much joy, so much work. Holy cow. Never worked so hard in my life. Uh, so much like good times with friends, really meaningful experiences, um, just working together, but also receiving incredible teachings from our teacher and meditating together. Just an amazing time. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And living in that environment became an obstacle for me because I got this idea that, you know, particularly as someone who was kind of living in the retreat center and I needed to focus on making sure everyone else had what they need and making sure, you know, all the work was getting done, making sure the conditions were whatever they needed to be for others. And I was trying to learn, you know, to be a good person, really. <laughs> but I was trying to learn how to be selfless. I, yeah. In terms of, I was trying to learn how to transcend the self. And along the way, or as part of that attempting to learn process, I, you know, only strengthened this idea that like the self is bad and we shouldn't spend time listening to it or we shouldn't spend time taking care of it or we shouldn't spend time taking it seriously, <laughs> which now I realize how confused all those ideas were. But for me, while the experience of living in a retreat center was amazing and had a profound impact on my life, there also came a time when it was necessary for me to move out of the retreat center because I lost myself and I lost my connection to myself. And I, not only did I lose it, but I was operating under the belief that I was supposed to lose it. And that that was like what it looked like to make progress as a human. And now I see it much differently. <laughs> Let's talk about that. And I, I was curious earlier in our conversation around you seeing the ego a lot as being selfish and the fear of being egotistical. And so how this might relate to the beliefs, right? The stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious where this belief came from for you, because I know that there are folks out there who are telling themselves these stories around, I'm not allowed to shine. Yeah. You know, I've got to play smaller to fit in to whatever sort of environment, culture, status I'm finding myself in, or I have to continually give to other people even when I don't have enough for myself, I have to continue to give in order to be loved. Yeah. And so I'm curious what your experience was in this belief of, of being egotistical and losing self. Yeah, I love this question. I guess what comes to mind is to kind of highlight the difference in how I see it now, which is... I think what I was trying to understand and what I was trying to experience was this place where you don't view the self as separate and you don't love or hate the self any more or less than you love or hate anyone else. And I, but you know, I'd say. Two years ago, I would have said my goal in life is to learn how to love others and forget about myself. 
And now I would say my goal is to learn how to love, period. That includes me and it includes others. And I also see now, like, I see the experience of ego as basically like, I haven't tried putting this into words yet, so let's see how it comes out. It's basically just viewing the world through the lens of one human. And that's not a bad thing inherently. There's nothing wrong with that. So like anytime I want to understand what it what the human experience is like through the lens of one individual, I can refer to my own individual experience of my own ego. And that's really valuable information and it's a valuable perspective and it really helps you connect and relate to what other people are going through. And if you train your mind or what I'm trying to train my mind is that like I have the choice. I can choose to experience the world through the lens of an ego when it's helpful or fun or interesting or whatever I want it to be. And I can choose to step back and recognize that that ego is part of a totality, which I can also choose to view the world through. And both options are present and neither of them are better or worse. They're just different and they're, they have different uses, basically. And that's something I feel really passionate about that I want anyone else who, who got stuck in the way that I did to understand that your ego is not bad. It's actually incredibly useful. It, like the ego exists, I think the ego exists to fundamentally like protect someone. And I've now had the opportunity to shift in my view around anger and sadness a lot. Now, anytime, whether it's me or someone else gets angry or sad, I see that as there's some kind of defense mechanism appearing, which is trying to protect you from something, which it perceives might not be good for you. And like, wow, what a gift. What a gift that we have this alarm system mm -hmm. that goes off when we start to tread in a direction that is not going to be life-giving for us or the people around us, because there's not any separation between what's life-giving for us and what's life-giving for the people around us. And to really learn how to just like value and embrace and give gratitude for that alarm system. Now, the alarm system can be misleading because very often what happens is our alarms are going off because of something we experienced 20 years ago. Mm. And we think that the alarm is going off because of what's happening right in front of our face. Sure. And that's where things like coaching and therapy become really useful to distinguish. But the point is that I, that I didn't understand before that I really want people to understand now is like the alarm bells are very useful. You just got to know how to interpret them and understand what they're trying to tell you. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, going back to, I, I, I've studied a little bit on IFS and, um, you know, different parts of ourselves, internal family systems, and not a lot. I'm not claiming to be an expert in this at all, but yeah. it reminds me of the essence of there's different parts to us coming from youth into adulthood. And so those different parts of us were there to protect us. And so even as a young child, we have these particular, you know, patterns, behaviors, thoughts that are protecting us in that moment. And we then pull them forward into our adult lives and then have to take a moment and ask ourselves, how is this serving me still? Right. And definitely. 
and taking a moment to understand what potentially that trauma is or was and how it's currently impacting how we're living life by default, right? Or as you said, at the top of the call is making those choices and having those thoughts. And really it takes a lot of bravery to have a look at that Mm. and to sit with that. And it almost reminds me of when, when you're talking about ego as well, being a part of us and how it's serving us and how it may not be serving us. Reminds me of fear mm-hmm. also, you know, the idea around there can be good fear that keeps us safe and protected and out of harm and bad fear that inhibits us from stepping into our most authentic self because of, you know, fear of judgment, fear of failure, etc. Mm-hmm. So that then leads me, Vicki, to my next question around fear. It constantly comes up in our lives. And when we are having this desire to gain momentum, to make a change, to make a move, when we're feeling stuck or unfulfilled, what would you tell folks would be the first step into discovering how to embrace that fear and begin to move forward? It's mm, a great question. I want to start by saying that I really believe in honoring fear. And mm. anyone who's experiencing fear right now, which I experience all the time, by the way, Anyone who's experiencing it right now, I just want them to know that like it is totally okay. There is absolutely nothing wrong with experiencing fear. I think that the key that a lot of people are lacking or looking for, myself included, is how can I interpret this fear? You know, imagine it's speaking a foreign language. It's like, how can I understand what it's trying to tell me? And once you understand what it's trying to tell you, you'll realize, you'll, I think once people start to have that experience, they, they start to realize that they're actually very grateful for their fear because it's very insightful. But that process of like translating it, of like trying to understand what is the actual message here that this fear is trying to give me, I personally think that... Th- the fastest way to learn that translation skill, if you want, is is working with a coach um, or therapist, you know, and there's a lot of overlap and Mm. I don't know, that might be interesting to talk about. But I think that what working with another person like a coach does is it gives you the opportunity to relate to yourself in a non-judgmental way or relate to your own fear in a non-judgmental way so that you can start to listen to it so that you can start to say like, hey, fear, I'm sorry I ignored you for so long. Like, what do you want to say? Like, what are you trying to protect me from right now? And thank you for trying to protect me. And, you know, I'll just give you a little example of what came to mind when you mentioned the internal family systems, because in the method I'm learning right now, compassionate inquiry, it's like uh, very aligned with internal family systems. It's not exactly the same, but we work with like inner child parts also. 
And I'll just share one of my own experiences from one of my sessions in the last week or two was like, I, I noticed this part coming up from my childhood, you know, from being whatever, some young mm -hmm. child age of just like really wanting to express myself. Like it was like roaring, like let your emotions out. Like, ah, I even roared like a lion in my session. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Then I noticed as I sat with it, there was this other part inside of me. And when I say part, basically what I mean is like tendency or habit. But you can think of them as like little characters running around in your body if you want. That's fine. So there was this other part that was like holding the lion down, basically, like telling the lion, like, shh, you can't roar like that. You're going to scare people. Like, stop, like, be quiet. You're going to hurt people's feelings mm. if you roar like a lion. And so these two parts were like battling each other inside of me. And they have been my whole life, by the way. I just didn't notice it. And so when I just sat there and paid attention to them, and it's like, okay, I can see that there's this part that wants to protect the other people in my life. It doesn't want me to hurt their feelings or scare them with my loud roaring. And like, thank you for trying to protect the people. Like now I'm going to invite you to go sit down and just like, we're going to let their lion roar for a little bit here. And we love you both. You're both wonderful. Like you're both here. We acknowledge you. We see you. We thank you. Now you sit down. It's not your job to work anymore. We're going to let the lion roar now. And that, That's right. that experience of learning to just let those strong emotions be present without judging them. And that's a habit I'm currently developing. And it's so beautiful because what happens is, you know, maybe I had this need when I was five years old where I just needed to express my emotions. I just needed to get them out. And the, then there was this other part that was like, no, you might freak people out. You might make your family worried about you or whatever. So just, you know, keep that to yourself. And all of that, like, gets stored in your body and you don't realize it. And then, you know, 30 years later, you're an adult and you're like, why do I have this feeling in my body like I need to tell the lion to be quiet, <laughs> you know? And, and then through therapy or coaching or, or even journaling or something like that, you could start to realize like, oh, because there's this like five-year-old lion that never got to roar. And what happens if I just let him roar just right now, mm -hmm. just with me and my coach and no one else? And, and then he roars and then he's like, okay, now he doesn't feel like he needs to roar anymore. It feels loved and appreciated and seen. Yeah. And so this is what I try to do like for myself and my practice with this, particularly this method I'm learning called compassionate inquiry. And, and that's what I try to do with other people too. Mm. I can't even remember what your question was now, but did I answer it? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, that was great. And it was really around kind of those different parts of us as we were talking about the ego and then took us into fear yeah. and good fear and bad fear. And what were those next steps that folks could take? to really embrace that fear in life because we get so debilitated by it and we're not trusting ourselves and we're so afraid of expressing ourselves. Yeah. And how do we do that without running the risk of judgment and not being loved, not being loved potentially air quotes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And so, um, yeah. And so I would love to hear more about the learnings by Gabor Mate. Yeah. And I think that he is amazing. And I have been introduced to some of his work 
But when you had mentioned the compassionate inquiry, um, it was very intriguing to me. And all about sort of these stories we tell ourselves and pulling them into the present and the trauma, big T or little T, we have all, each and every one of us have experienced trauma, right? So you are not alone. So tell us a little bit about how you incorporate compassionate inquiry into your coaching practice. Yeah, I'd love to hear more on that. What jumps to mind first is, and continuing on with your last question about working with fear, compassionate inquiry starts with creating a experience of safety for the client. And mm. as you can hear from my story. Yes, yes, that's so important. Like my own need for that experience of safety begins with, I need to feel not judged. And mm. so in a lot of ways, one of the first kind of steps we take with clients in compassion inquiry is just about like creating an experience for them where they feel totally safe and not judged. And only from there, then do we go into like understanding the pain and, you know, these reactions that are trying to tell us something. Um, but to first just part of what is important to creating this experience of safety is this non-judgment. It's so critical that the client doesn't feel judged. And it's so critical that like in order for a coach or a therapist to be able to offer that experience of non-judgment, they have to have developed it for themselves first and like really learned how to not judge themselves. Because if a, if a therapist or coach still judges themselves, like it'll come up in the session with the client and it, it may trigger the client. Um, and so a lot of a lot of my work right now is, I, and in fact, I probably spend more time working on myself than I do working with clients at this point. Um, but the, the experience of safety is really critical. And honestly, there's so much that is connected to that just from a physical level. Um, you know, I've learned a lot about nervous system regulation and how the physiological state of our body plays a role in whether or not we're experiencing safety. And that's definitely incorporated, you know, and in part that just means we start every session by taking a minute to breathe and ground ourselves and notice what we're feeling in our body and just invite it to be there, whether it's tension or peace or anger or whatever it is. It's just you're invited to be here. All of your feelings, all of your whatever you are. And from there, the rest of these, you know, if I had to boil down the compassionate inquiry method to two words, I would say those two words are curiosity and presence. And what I let you said earlier, like we can't be curious when we're judging. And what I've really noticed just from observing is like curiosity is the opposite of judgment. It's when you're genuinely curious, you don't have any like fixed ideas or expectations around what they might say next or, or any of those things, but to just be genuinely curious, like completely open to whatever is arising in the moment. What's incredible about doing this work with people is like over and over again, I just see that they have all the insight and it's like in their 
body even. And like when you can just open up the space for someone to just allow to arise whatever arises without any kind of fixed idea about what you're trying to get out of the client or what you're trying to help them see or where you want to lead, like none of those, just total presence and curiosity. And what I've witnessed over, and every time it's surprising, but what I've witnessed is people really have the full capacity to heal themselves, heal their own pain, to discover their own insight, their own direction, their own purpose, like all of it is there. And my job as a coach is to just get out of the way so that they can find what's already inside of them and, and basically just create that sense of safety and that sense of presence. Because what I've also learned is that that's what people need. That's, they just need another non-judgmental human to be present with them. And it's really powerful. That just made my shoulders just relaxed when you said that. Oh, when I started this work, for me, it was so important to find ease in my body. Yeah. Because I was always so tense. I always had a lot of neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain. And my body was always so tight and clenchy. And um, I really had to learn how to give myself compassion and become more lighthearted is something that mm -hmm. I remind myself of a feeling I want to feel on a daily basis nice. of just being lighthearted and unattached to what I think should happen and allow. And this idea around finding safety in the body, as you mentioned, is just so critical and such a pillar of holistic wellness. Yes. When you say to find safety in the body and presence, it made me think of, okay, how do we get our clients out of their heads and into their hearts? Mm. What are some of the things that you might tell our listeners they could do that might bring them safety in a moment of anxiety, of friction, of tension that they could do maybe as a daily practice. Yeah, beautiful. To kind of get them started and introduced to finding safety. Yeah. Beautiful. The first thing is really simple. It's just developing the habit of noticing what you feel in your body at any given moment. And this, what we train in this practice of compassionate inquiry, constantly we're asking the client, what do you notice in your body right now? Where do you feel it? How does it feel? Do you feel, you know, and people describe to like, I feel a tightness in my chest. I feel a weight on my shoulders. I feel my throat, you know, clenching up or all of these feelings. And First of all, you're developing the habit of not ignoring them. You're actually paying attention. That's really important. And then to be able to pay attention without judgment, to say like, oh, my, my throat's closing up. And to get curious about it instead of like, oh, my throat's closing up. I need to go uh, like 
get some self-care in and take a walk outside and whatever. It's like, no, just like, oh, my throat's closing up. And just pay attention to it and notice how it feels and try to describe to yourself how it feels. And try to think like, oh, that's so interesting. What is what is it trying to tell me? What does it want to say? If it could speak, what would it say? Um, so this is the first thing. It's just developing the habit of noticing um, what your body feels. And what's so amazing about that practice is that no matter what is happening in your life, no matter if you could be in the trenches of war, not that I've ever been, so I don't really know, but you could be giving birth. I've done that. <laughs> and you could ask yourself, you can ask yourself, what is happening in my body? <laughs> yeah, thank you. It is a great example. You can ask yourself, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. What is happening in my body right now? And no matter what's going on, that question will always ground you in the present moment. If you ask yourself, what is happening in my body right now? You will stop worrying about what happened yesterday. You'll stop thinking about what might happen tomorrow. And you will pay attention to what is happening in this moment. And that in and of itself can be very powerful. So this is my first tip. It's just like start building the habit of noticing what's happening in your body without judging it, just noticing mm -hmm. it. And then the second thing is, um, you know, working with the breath is phenomenal. And you could spend your entire life learning how to work with the breath in a way that will bring you safety and uh, love and all these different types of things, life. And, you know, to begin with, the simple one that I've seen probably the most scientific research on for people that are interested in that is just box breathing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was so delighted my seven-year-old came home from school the other day and she's like told me that she had learned about box breathing and she wanted to use it to help our bodies like get ready to go to sleep at night. Beautiful. So, yeah. Now sometimes like when my seven-year-old's a little hyped up at bedtime, it's like, okay, we got to figure out a way to get our bodies ready for sleeping. She'll be like, okay, let's do some box breathing to get our bodies ready for resting, you know? And so- for anyone who doesn't know, it's just, um, it, you can even like draw a square somewhere uh, near your computer or whatever, and just inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, and hold for four seconds. That type of method is so useful. Like if you are in some high stress job and you have to walk into some stuffy boardroom where everyone is taking themselves too seriously. Yes. <laughs> And you, you know, and you're nervous and you're and maybe someone's all like arguing with Been you there. or yeah, <laughs> someone's like putting pressure on you that you didn't meet this quarter's financial results or whatever. And you feel like you're about to fucking explode because it's just like, oh, can't take this anymore. Like, that's the moment to remember like, okay, I'm going to breathe now. There's no use in me arguing. There's no use in me even listening anymore because this has become a total shit show. So like, I'm just going to take what do we say? 16 seconds? I'm gonna take 16 seconds to do some box breathing mm. and notice what I'm feeling in my body. A hundred percent. That can change your whole life. <laughs> yes. Yes. How we're regulating our bodies, right? And and sort of integrating what we need to respond versus react. Totally. And so, and that could look different, right? There could be different modalities. There could be different, someone who might want to take 15, 
five to 15 minutes even to meditate, to sit quietly. Let's even take the word meditation out of it and just say, sit quietly in a quiet room, close your eyes and sit comfortably and let your body just settle and rest. I mean, especially when you're feeling triggered or activated, you know, or going for a walk in nature. Oh, yes. It makes me want to share this um, thing that I've started doing where like, so I'm trying to learn how to take better care of my body, just like with eating and moving because those are, and drinking enough water because I like these really basic things I forget to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'll notice like if I start to get stressed, if I start to get behind, if I start to get like a little bit like, oh, I'm, my gas tank starts to feel like, uh oh, I feel like my gas tank is starting to get a little empty here. And, you know, I'm like, but I don't want to go on a hike right now. I don't really want to make myself a big delicious meal. I don't, I don't want to take a bath. I just, you know, but I can feel that I'm getting, I'm heading towards burnout. So my life is draining instead of giving. And in those moments, I might only have two minutes before I need to go to the grocery store, whatever, get on a call. I'll lay down on my bed or on my couch and I'll close my eyes and I'll notice what am I feeling in my body? And usually it's like, oh, it feels like a little tired, a little worn down, a little stress, you know, a little like doesn't have much energy. And so I'll just, I just put my hands wherever I feel my body needs a little love. And I just like, here you go. Mm. I'm just going to give it a little love just to, yeah. just to reconnect, just to let, let the body know, like, we still care about you. We still want you to thrive. And we probably ignored you for a few days. And, you know, I say we, it's just, if whatever. It's just like, I just want to invite the experience of love for my body. And I use my hands just as a way of kind of like help cementing the experience in my awareness. And it's, it's like watering a plant, but I do it to my own body for like 30 seconds whenever I'm feeling stressed. Mm, beautiful. Yes. And I think a a great reminder for our listeners that these are, we're, you know, we, we really have to embrace our humanness here, you know, as Mm. a lot of us and probably a lot of our listeners have heard or even say themselves that we are, uh, spiritual beings having a human experience. And (laughs) so really just nurturing our soul and listening to that and knowing that because of our humanness, we will continue to have these moments of feeling tense, of being critical of ourselves or others. But what doing the work on yourself can really reward you for is the awareness, making more conscious choices, and knowing that we can always choose again. Mm. And, and just giving ourselves, as you say, and the impact that is so important to you, giving ourselves that self-love. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Vicki, this, this time with you has been so incredible. And I am so grateful for your time and your presence. Oh, it's such a joy. Are we already out of time? I feel like we're just getting started. I know. <laughs> yes. Right. I know. 
anytime Vicky and I talk, we're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I could talk to her all day long, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I have no doubt that our listeners certainly walked away with some tools, resources today. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share in regards to self-care, compassion, presence, and ease? I think the one, if people just remember one thing, next time they feel unease, however that shows up for them, see if you can get curious and just just really just get curious. What's going on here? What do I notice? What do I feel in my body? Get curious about yourself. Don't get curious about other people. You can, I mean, do that later. There's nothing wrong with getting curious about other people. But if your heart feels tight and closed, see what happens when you get curious. Mm-hmm. I love that. Beautiful, beautiful advice. Where can people find you to learn more? Uh, my website is shinefreely.com and I'm on all the social media channels so you can find the links on my website. And I'm always interested to meet and talk to new people and explore ideas. So I definitely invite anyone to reach out. Outstanding. Well, thank you again for your time. And I do, again, encourage everybody to check out Vicky's podcast at Shine Freely, shinefreely.com to learn more. If you're int- interested in her coaching services, you can find more information about that at shinefreely.com as well. And oh, it's been such a pleasure, Brandy. And I just have to tell the listeners too, like, Brandy, you're an, you're an incredibly authentic and inspiring example of living a consciously inspired life. And I'm so happy that you're offering your insight and tools and gifts to others just to do that in their own lives. So thank you for what you're doing as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. All right, Vicki, I will chat soon. All righty. Bye. Until next time, explore what inspires you. That's all for today. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to learn more about Consciously Inspired Minds, you can visit us at consciouslyinspiredminds.com. Until we connect again, explore what inspires you.